Hi there, this is Sam Maxwell, the creator of Bedford and Sullivan, and I uh, just wanted to say Happy New Year to all of you, and basically, I want to do better one way or another with both this podcast and, of course, in life, but I find as if it's all tied to each other one way or another. The last time that I posted this was back in, like, I, I don't even know right now as I record this for part one of the rivalry podcast. And it's like, I don't necessarily owe any of you an excuse, but obviously life gets in the way, but so does procrastination. And whether it's the script writing of this thing, whether it's these podcasts, whatever it is, I've put a lot of stuff off and I haven't dedicated myself enough to getting better and better. And I've not only been stunted just as an adult, but I've been stunted with this podcast. And I do think that I owe it to all of you, you loyal listeners who have been here uh, through thick and thin, whether you've been here from day one or whether you've been here just now. I greatly appreciate it, but I have to do better for both myself and for you guys. So come the new year, you know, I've said it before. So I have to hold myself to a higher standard one way or another. And I can't keep just saying these things because as uh, many people have said, including James Brown, saying it and doing it are not the same. So I look forward to doing it more and saying it less. And I greatly appreciate once more all of you loyal listeners out there. Without further ado, uh, Gary Mintz of the New York Giants Preservation Society and Dodgers superfan Rob Barnes uh, in part two of the Rivalry podcast. I guess this is where I'm going to go uh, to this direction because you're both constantly, and <laughs> I, I want to phrase it this way, and it sounds uh, negative when I say you're both living in the past, but I, I do think it's a rich uh, element of both, uh, uh, you know, uh, anybody's personality, I think, but also... Uh, a rich history, uh, nonetheless, it, and that—that's what I'm constantly doing. So, I, I, what is on your mind? And I'll start with you, Gary, from a New York Giants perspective. Let's cut it off at 1957. Let's go to what the meat and bones of this podcast is. Uh, what is on your mind when it comes to both the Giants as well as the Dodgers-Giants rivalry? Uh, as far as the past goes. Um... Our group is not just living in the past and getting together and having these meetings and, you know, talking about the good old days. We, we, we try to do stuff uh, to further the cause of the remembrance of the team. I mean, we, I went to opening day Yankee Stadium. I was invited by the Giants. Giants played the Yankees. The day prior, we led 22 people around the polo ground area. We saw Willie Mays where he played stickball. We saw our home plate, the marker there. We, we saw murals and Mays. We went into a boys club. We saw the brush stairway. So we're very active. I have constantly written letters to the New York City Housing. They have a plaque there. Sam, I'm sure you've seen it, the home plate plaque. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think you could put a little varnish on it or? Or something. I mean, how, how much does that cost? To look, I know the people there have it tough. They're trying to make ends meet daily, but this is history. There, there is a sign there that says 
let's keep this place clean. Willie Mays played ball here. That <laughs> sign is so sun bleached, you could barely read it. Either get a new sign there or, or, or take it down. They could hand it to me. I'll, I'll put it on my shelf. I mean, you could probably, you could probably get donations, you know, like to get yeah. that done. Like well, it's very letter, uh, from any, a tax perspective, from a taxpayer perspective, to get it done. We, uh, one of the members of the legislative branch, came to our walk around the polo grounds. They saw this stuff there. Right. John Miller, That's the great. giant announcer, went on the tour with us. He was visibly upset and was saying stuff. You guys can't fix this stuff. It's That's not. Amazing. You know, you're talking about. Two pieces, they're markers. It, it's it's history. You need to save history. Can I ask you also what 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 exactly is the block that Willie played stickball on? Saint Nicholas Place, eighty Saint Nicholas Place. In fact, eighty we, Saint Nicholas Place. Okay. Yeah. In fact, when we got there, there was a guy who lived in the Polo Ground Towers. His name is Ron. He joined us. He was dressed in a Minneapolis Miller. Willie Mays jersey. Nice. And him and John Miller were acting out playing stickball there. I mean, John Miller had a wonderful time there. He really did. And, you know, he was gracious enough, Rob, to do a little, you know, Vince Scully. So <laughs> nice. he's, just, he's just an incredible guy. And, you know, I've also written letters to the Giants. They have this incredible wall of fame outside of Oracle Park. And there are some members on that wall that, you know, they have certain criteria. You play nine years with the Giants or you play five years and one or two All-Star games. And there are some players who, I'm not a major leaguer, but, but guys who maybe if, if I told it to you and Rob, you'd laugh. You know, Marvin Bernard, hmm. Johnny LeMaster. I, 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 I wrote a letter and... I hope the Giants one day, it should be a franchise wall. That, you know, they do a great job honoring the past, the Giants, around the stadium. They brought the trophy tour three times into Manhattan. And they asked me to get our guys together. And it was just fabulous. Stacy Slaughter was in charge of it. it. It was just tremendous. Willie Mays came to all three. So what, what I'm hoping is that, they add all of the Hall of Fame New York Giants to this wall because they have they have numbers retired at Hubble and you know the name McGraw and Terry. But you know, everybody could point to those and say, Well, who the hell is that guy? Well, if you have a plaque out outside, you could read all about these guys. And I'm not talking, you know, I love Bobby Thompson. I'm not even talking about him. I'm talking about guys who were in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, who went in as giants, not Steve Carlton or Gary Carter, guys who, who spent their career and earned their stripes by playing for the New York Giants. So again, that's our, our goal is to, you know, again, not just sit around and watch each other get old. Try, try to do stuff that will keep the history of this storied franchise alive. And, and that's our goal. Rob, what's on your mind? Well, uh, hearing you talk, Gary, about your passion, I love it. It's, you know, it's crazy how all those guys, you know, find each other, most baseball nerds. Uh, 
I know the Dodgers do a great job of acknowledging their Brooklyn roots. It's here's like you were talking about the wall and everything you're saying, how they're not really talking about New York. They're only talking about San Francisco. Do How do the Giants honor New York? Do they? Abs- absolutely do. They have, flag, they have the pennants, the flags that uh, are above the stadium. They have a, a, a thing called the Gotham Club, special place where people could see relics of the Giants and it's a, it's a, you got to buy into it, you know, Mm, but it's especially, they have pictures all around certain areas. They have a thing called the Giants fold. So they, you know, they do honor and bring in that trophy to New York. Rob, I know they, the Dodgers Dodgers won. They would never be able to bring it here. Nobody, the, 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 the Dodgers are vilified here in New York. Uh, the Giant fans are more forgiving. And again, I really think that's more of uh, Willie Mays more than anything. And right. the, the Dodgers, when they left, were the uh, you know, the richest team, in, even more than the Yankees. The Giants were, you know, having trouble attracting fans. The area, I you know, I wasn't around, was getting worse. And it seemed more logical for the Giants to move than the Dodgers. So, again, this bringing back the trophy three times and throngs of people showing up, you know, and Willie Mays coming out and talking. You're seeing 70-year-old men crying because they don't see, they don't see an 80-year-old man. They see a 25-year-old man with his hat falling off, and that's what they remember. And it doesn't matter how old he was. That was their guy. and my regret, I'll say it all the time, is I got to meet him many times. Uh, they had a polo ground site at, at, at AT&T Park at the time. My regret is this this guy, he was my father's guy, not mine. And my dad passed in 2003 and didn't get to see all the stuff that I saw and have been a part of. He'd be eating this stuff up like there's no tomorrow. Hmm. And can I add three other things that I heard just recently from your comments? <laughs> Sam, you, you talked about Verducci interviewing him. I don't need to see six retired baseball players who basically just retired sitting in a forum talking. I, I, I change the channel. I, I don't want to hear A-Rod and David Ortiz and, and all these other. It, it's enough. It, it really is enough. Mike Piazza, sorry, Sam. I always viewed him as Dodger. That's just me. (laughs) And lastly, and this is from Sam helping me, Robert, our highest capacity Zoom, 96 people, Carl Erskine spoke to our organization about the rivalry between the two teams. He was fabulous. And I hope you got to see that movie about him. You're right over there. I own it. I own the movie. Just, just great. And he deserved the uh, Buck O'Neill Award. Yes, he did. Most definitely. Mm. Yes. Um, as far as the rivalry between the two teams, I think it was much more heated back in the day when they played here in New York. What was it, 10 miles away, basically, or, or 15 miles but away? It, it, it is beautiful as much as, and it was Walter O'Malley's idea, really. It is beautiful that it does transcend coasts. You know how far it is from where the Polo Grounds Tabbitt's Field is? I don't know. I forget exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it can't be more than 
you know, 15 yeah. miles, right? No. Maybe right. 10. As the crow flies. No, no, no. It, definitely, definitely not 15 because, well, maybe 15. Because Manhattan, Manhattan itself is 10 miles long, right? I believe. Plus the river down. 10 yeah. by 5. I think, I think I it might even be 8. Five. I don't know. So, somewhere like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think that, that rivalry back then, I think much you more. You can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, to, to go back and see that, I think, would and be to have three teams that basically have rivalries with each other. Because when it's all said and done, the Yankees and the Giants, of course, like like outside of the fact that during that era they only faced each other once, they faced each other multiple times. You know, the Yankees were their land. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Giants were their landlords, and it's a big reason that the Yankees got out. You could even argue that the Giants were responsible for the Yankees' success in some fashion. So, like, like basically because there was like we'll show them, and then did over the course of an entire century, the three teams all, and, and I, I didn't even mention the Dodgers and the Yankees, you know, in terms of the, their rivalry. It's a major thing, the fact that all three teams had this personal hatred for each other, and that obviously spilled off into the fan bases. Well, plus also now you have, you know, the Giants play the Dodgers like 13 times instead of 18 and 19 times. So to me, it's even going to get further away. I, there's always going to be. So I, I actually did. I actually did want to ask you guys that in terms of the way the schedule went this year and the fact that everybody, like, let's be honest, they're probably going to get rid of the American National League. And my argument is I get it, but. This is how our championships have been understood for the last century and almost a half, a quarter, a century and a quarter. This is how our championships are supposed to work. And regardless of – the NFL has really weird divisions, but they're not even talking about this remotely in terms of, of, of uh, regional realignment. They're not talking about this remotely. So – there's still the AFC and the NFC there, and here you have the American and the National League. What exactly is the appeal for baseball to go to regional rivalries as well as, but specifically in terms of regional realignment? It's such a fundamental change that I, I think that this isn't an old man yelling at the cloud moment. I think this is a major argument that it doesn't make sense to me the way that baseball is starting to process things under Rob Manfred's vision. To me, it seems like it's kind of counterproductive. You know, there are these things called airplanes that can get you from one part of the country to another in relatively short time. It's not like it was in the pre-jet age when they were taking trains that would take them when they went far as west as St. Louis, from, from say, New Boston to St. Louis was what, like a day plus. You can do that in three hours now. It just seems change, like you talk about before, change for the change for the sense of change. And the fact that they, oh, we've got to change now because if we're to uh, don't change for so long, people are not going to watch us. I don't know. It's a good, like you said earlier, it gets to the point where you say enough's enough and just it's okay leave it the way it is for a couple of years 
keeps on saying he's talking to the fans. Nobody's talking to me. I, I don't know what they're talking about. The fans <laughs> want to. The fans want a ghost runner. <laughs> hey, what is that? Also, uh, in terms of um, like air travel, like you said, isn't making the, the schedule have to pair everybody up with each other throughout the entire baseball, and especially if you if part of realignment is also going to be introducing two more teams. Doesn't that make it even worse? Well, so so basically, you're calming down the divisional rivals that are generally within the leagues, regional. That air travel is fine. So why don't you have those teams continue to face each other more? I understand how you're going to have to cut back on the Mets playing the Phillies and the Mets playing the Braves and then, you know, so on and so forth from my perspective. I get how you have to cut that down, but like, what was it exactly this year? Only like two each for home and road? Was that how it worked? 13, yeah, 13, division? 13 games. Between the 13 games. So you're going to have two home and two away and one's going to be a four game. So make it 15. I can deal with that. 13 is ridiculous. And the way they're spacing them out. Like, you don't see a certain team for four months that you would generally, like, they're taking away midsummer rivalries as well. Because these division, the you know, you're not, like, think about the fact that when there was only eight teams, you played every team 22 times. You saw everybody all the time. I think it's a major reason, like, teams sometimes did go 34 and 5, you know, in the middle of the year. I think that was a big reason. You're seeing these guys all the time. But still, that's why you hated them so much. That's why Stan's called the man. You saw him so much. And that was the furthest West team there was, was the Cardinals. So, like, uh, it's tough because, again, I get it. But does that mean San Francisco and Oakland, I guess for a year, would, would play each other? Does that mean the Angels are now a major factor in the Dodgers' thinking and vice versa? Go ahead. I'll take that. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you're, you're coming from Moreno's point of view. So, right. I, I just think that there's just like – all right. So it wasn't until 19 it wasn't until 1969 which is a, a major reason the Mets first world, the the championship is such a unique one. I'm pretty sure that was the first time everything was split into the east and the west. That, that's correct. Yes. And it's also the only trophy ever with a Seattle Pilots pennant on. That's true. Um so love that trophy. So like, until then, they didn't change anything. That is a long time to not change anything and then have your 100th anniversary, quote-unquote, because that's what they did in 1969 yes. was have their 100th anniversary because of the Cincinnati Red Stockings, I'm pretty sure, just because of professional baseball. Only because of people being paid did they were they able to say 100th anniversary. That was, that was it. That was it. The 100th anniversary of professional baseball. 
And and that was the first time I'm pretty sure that the logo was introduced as well. I was just going to um, mention the logo, Sam. Very good. Right. Yep. So prior to that, one way or another, they got things done. And obviously, I, I'm guessing if I look at the schedule, they, there were some expansion teams prior to 1969. 1961 was the first year, I'm pretty sure, of a mm -hmm. real uh, of an expansion team, and then obviously 1962. So they had to do something because there was more teams coming into play. Has it gotten with these wild card stuff? Oh, and, and Rob, I, I understood you. You mentioned this at the beginning, and and this is a perfect uh, bookend and segue. Has it gotten out of control? And if you do believe that the 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 way that they've they've had these these breaks now it has gotten you know it's just too much time. What do you think? What 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 what's the middle ground? Baseball, you know, baseball's an animal. They're all creatures of habits, right? They're they're doing the same thing every day. They're they are. I don't know. You could call them borderline ADHD because I, I just heard about you talked about Gary mentioned Clayton Kershaw earlier. I read basically his warm up. AJ Ellis, his former catcher, said what is what his warm up is: three fastballs down the middle, three fastballs on the right, three sliders away. That 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 same thing. Now then from the stretch, up up up. These guys are such creatures of habit, and when they're playing sick, basically six days a week. And they're given that they're all, they're getting on a plane, they're traveling. I hear it's, it's 40,000 miles a year in the air. They're doing that much. You ask them to sit for a week. They're probably getting inside their own heads. They're going, wait a minute. I don't have to be here at this time. I, I, I can sit here and fester because we got to play in six days. I'm going to fester for six days about who we're playing, how I'm going to, how we're going to pre-scout them, how we're going to do this, that, and the everything. So... And then I and then I hear they're going to add two more wild cards. I'm like, you know, right where I'm another old man yelling at the cloud. So talk about the time off and then we keep going. And then once you're once they're asked to ramp it back up. They can't get reached to that, you know, that 110 percent like they had. From April through October 3rd. And therefore, you know, let's look at the Braves. The Braves did the same thing. The Orioles did the same thing, though. I don't necessarily I can't necessarily put the, or I don't know if I can't put the Orioles in the same boat as the Dodge and the Braves. It's their first time in this rodeo. So. Hmm. Well, right. So Gary, where are you on this? I, I understand that you're not coming from a perspective of a team that was there this year. And I think the Dodgers are especially a unique example because of everything that's happened again, Rob, it, it does have to do with the context of, of since 2013, right? And, and that this continues to happen with the Dodgers. So, Gary, where are you on what you've seen from the outside? And I guess the only team here that can be, can be said uh, is the exception, though they had to face the Minnesota Twins, is the Astros. Uh, you know, I'll look at it this way. If the Giants would have made the playoffs this year, or, the, you know, maybe, you know, I waited 42 years – 41 years for them to win a World Series. Then they won three in five years. I take losses a lot easier, but I am spoiled, and I get a little disgusted. If the Giants would have made the playoffs this year, do I think they would 
I don't care about making the playoffs if you're not going to win now because of these three world championships. So they would have been a mediocre team being in the playoffs. Oh, you know, if we catch lightning in a bottle, uh, maybe we could bring another world championship to San Francisco. There are too many teams, too many mediocre teams that qualify for this. Baseball gets what it wants because, you know, there are a lot of teams still involved until the last couple of weeks of the season. So they got what what they want out of it. You know, like like Rob said, I guess the older you get, things just, you know, we, we hate to be the old man on the porch, but it sounds like we are. Oh, you got to you got to go with change. You know, sometimes change isn't good. OK, and that the ruining a, a wonderful thing that we all have been following for years and we roll with it. But this there's a lot of things that are really hard to swallow these days. It really are. And it, it's a big turnoff. Yet I'll still be loyal. I can't wait for next season to start. You know, I hope it's a good winter and they, they do stuff. But uh, it, it's 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 getting very difficult. I'll say this, though. I do think a three-game series made more sense than a one-game. I do think that. But I understand that there's some, something that they have to do somewhere in the middle uh, of all this, even with adding two more teams. So, Gary, in terms of free agency, I'll ask you this. I heard something about the idea that some free agents don't want to go to San Francisco. I'm not sure if you've heard this claim recently. It's just literally something I heard over the last 10 days, the idea that San Francisco has trouble, and I forget exactly the reasons, but but has trouble attracting free agents. People say it's their management. People say that Oracle Park is a hard place to hit. People say that San Francisco has, the city itself has deteriorated. All I know is if you put up enough money, Michael Conforto came to San Francisco, okay? These guys have paid a lot of money. <laughs> guys have paid a lot of money, uh, you know. The, the Giants are willing to pay. Scott Boris. It's the Scott Boris yeah. client, yeah. Uh, you know, when you pay somebody, you know, the Giants, people could say all they want. Three championships since 2010. They're a storied franchise. Why anybody wouldn't want to go to a place when they start building a better team? That place will be, you know, stadium will be more filled up. I mean, I watch Giant Dodger games. There's more Dodger fans than Giant fans <laughs> because of the lack of star power. There's no Buster Posey. Buster Posey, you know, he basically was the manager on the field. A guy, you know. He, he's now a part of the ownership group. I, I hope that he sees what's going on. Very, very uh, intelligent guy. I'm, I'm hoping he has a big uh, impact moving forward on the franchise because he is a class act. And I think Rob would even, you know, how I gave Clayton Kershaw his due, I think he would say he doesn't hate Buster Posey, you know, terrific player. No, we can't. How can you not hate him? I mean, guy's a gamer. Gamer from day one. So those teams, yeah, you're you. Those three teams were just, yeah, an incredible, incredible group. Is Crawford the only? Is Crawford retiring? Is he? He's the only guy left, right? 
He's the only guy left. Love the guy. It's, it's time to say goodbye, though. Yeah, he's, he's, he's done. He's done. I, I get that. You have been listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, and I'm so thankful to both my guests for being able to come on and help me get back into the swing of things. Rob, you're you're always there at my beckoning call when it comes to jump starting these things again when I've taken too much of a hiatus and uh Gary you know you've um you've been there left and right every time that I've uh, I've needed you in the bullpen if you will considering you are, <laughs> are part of the rivalry of the focus of this podcast but I I greatly appreciate uh, both of you so with that I'll further ado we will segue to our final word and we thank you out there for listening to the Bedford Sullivan podcast. This is uh, uh, something I've been doing since 2013. If you guys are new to the podcast or haven't listened in a while, Larry King and Ron Schweiger, the uh, Brooklyn Borough historian, were my first guests on the show. And I hope at some point this both off season and um, uh, just, just this, I, I, it's hard for me to not think of it in terms of baseball terms, in terms of, of the baseball season and, and the, the, the framework of the way that works. But when it comes to this Brooklyn project, it does have, it does have to do with more than just baseball. And, and we all should remember that, that it has to do with the community of Brooklyn and the way they ended up rallying behind with a chip on their shoulder that they weren't included in independency, uh, rallied behind their baseball team. And that's what it all comes down to. But that baseball team played and was an indelible part of their lives. It played specifically between April and October. And I say October because in the latter part of their history, they were in October a lot. So that's, always going to kind of be my framework with in many ways life itself is the baseball season because it all has to do with hope springs eternal and you hope before that last leaf falls that you are the one holding the championship trophy up and that's kind of what we all strive for in life and with our baseball team so it's hard one way or another to not frame this within the context of the baseball season. And, and I have been absent, but I, I want to continue to think how to bring in more stories, more people, and, uh, uh, and expand this podcast that uh, I've been doing for, for a very long time, for 10 years now. So thank you all for listening. And uh, without further ado, our final word from both Rob and Gary, and I will start with Rob. Rob Barnes, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm great, Sam. Once again, as I say, thank you for always asking for me for my knowledge and my throughout my readings and everything in my history. And I want to just say one quick thing. I may have mentioned this before uh, when last year, but I spent a day, uh, summer of 2022, finally chasing the ghosts of Brooklyn that I've been so, so scared to do. I spent the day traveling around. I saw Jackie's gravesite i saw ebbets field i saw all over the borough where i was able to to just even gather more 
knowledge and breadth and depth of my passion for this team and really helps me understand the project that you are undertaking, Sam. And I really wish you all the best in your, in, in your endeavors with this. And if there's anything I can ever do to help you out, I, I'd be more than honored to give you anything I can do to help in my knowledge. And thanks again for having me on. Thank you. And Gary Mintz, New York Giants Preservation Society. Sam, you and I go back a long time now. First of all, you do a magnificent job honoring the, the borough of Brooklyn and, and the Dodgers. So kudos to you. You know, if you ever need anything to put on, you know, you call this the rivalry podcast. But, you know, Rob's a good guy, man. I, you know, I'm proud to, proud to say, even though he's a Dodger guy, good man, I, I could tell right away. You know, our group is, is similar to what you're trying to do. You know, you, you spent the whole time talking about the present day team. I am very enriched in the Giants past. Otherwise, I would not be doing this stuff. You know, in February, we started a YouTube channel. We got so many videos that are up there that are well worth seeing. You know, um, again, this is all stemming from uh, my admiration for my father. After every uh, World Series win, I planted a flag there that the World Series. So there's a 2010 flag, a 2012, and a 2014 by his gravesite. It's like Francis Scott Key. The flags are still there. They weathered all of this bad weather. They look like crap, but they're still there. Maybe one day I'll be able to, uh, before I leave this place, add another one or, or, or a couple more, which I would love to do. Love the Giants. They're in my, they're in my blood, and they always will be. Thank you for that. And uh, Gary, I, I have to say that I haven't followed the YouTube page. So I'm doing it right now. Thank you. It's, it's, it's real. There's, there's about 125 videos there. They're all oh, no, I, I'm subscribed, but I, I guess I need to fix the algorithm. Honestly, I have subscribed, but I need to be, I need to start clicking on them more. To get to, to get it in, you know, the suggestions pile because they do not come up enough. Also, uh, might I add, uh, I'm probably a week or two away from uh, self-publishing a book. I just gotta mm -hmm. figure out how to un, uh, upload it to Amazon, and it's mm -hmm. the book. The book is entitled "Baseball from Three Thousand Miles Away," and it's about my following uh -huh. the Giants. From 1969 until Brandon Crawford's basically retiring in uh, this year. So, Congratulations! Thank you. We st I started off by saying I went to my first game with my dad, Giants and Mets, and the last game I went to this year or the day before the game before, I took my grandson to a Giant Met game. So, oh, wonderful! Things full circle. Bottom line is I'm leaving something for my kids and my grandsons and grandchildren to read. They'll remember their grandfather and their father. And I'm I'm not looking to make money on this. Somebody told me I wrote good. So I decided, you know <laughs> what, let me write it. And there are great stories in there about meeting people and and sleeping in the same bedroom with Jim Davenport. And, you know, Sam, I hate to bring this up, but I will close it with you on this. The greatest <laughs> live game I ever saw in my life was the 2016 um, 
wild card game. Oh, God. The Syndergaard Baumgartner <laughs> game was, uh, it was unbelievable. There was, you know, riveting. Imagine a world where Syndergaard goes as long as Baumgartner goes. Yeah, Rob. M- Rob knows that from last year. That it just ah, it just fe- it just feels as if it feels as if everybody needed to treat over the last ten years. Everybody needed needed to treat every pitcher the way Bumgarner was treated. Just let him go. Just let him go. <laughs> it's just like, and I get that there's statistics now that say the third time through the order, right? But isn't isn't that also because it's become third time through the order, you're going to take them out? Like, has this always been the case? Because ha- if that had always been the case, there would have been from almost every start that the pitcher almost completed, which was the majority of starts generally, right? It, 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 there would have been something telling them, even if it was just eye test only, even if you don't have the numbers. But bottom line is, some of these numbers have been documented for a very long time and documented in a very good way on paper. So what you are know, we talking about here? What are we talking about here? <laughs> you know, I, le- I learned over the years that you got to think with your mind and not your heart, okay? So when Tim Lincecum was done, he was done. That yeah. all being said, I would love for the Giants to invite Bumgarner to spring training. Maybe he makes a team. You know, Rob knows Scott Alexander. That's not a bad idea. He, he Why was not? on the Giants. He, he's, Why not? You know, Bumgarner's still getting paid next year by Arizona. Invite him. Big deal. Sure. He release him. If he's if he's if he still has anything. The fans would love that. The fans have had nothing to cheer about for two years now. Yeah, why not? It's a. It's... Is that okay, Rob, to say that? Am I? You think I'm good. All good, man. So, Rob, do you want the Dodgers to sign Madison Bumgarner? <laughs> hey, they signed Mattingly back in '56. He threw a no hitter. They went to the World Series. I'm all for it. Sam, I'm sure he's. He didn't pitch with anybody after being released this year. Uh, he's probably washed up. I don't know, but uh, you know, he's the one guy. When was he released this year? Yes. Yeah, he pitched. I those. remember some. I remember some people at the beginning of this season on on my Mets side uh, saying that they they should sign him. They should just do it on a whim, and nobody ever did. Nobody signed all him at these, all. All of these. Do you think he's just chopping wood? Is that the problem? Like he just wants to keep chopping wood all all. Uh, how many horrible lefties are in the game? Come out of the bullpen just like them. Uh, you know, he sorry. probably would. He probably would convert well to. I, I think he would, but I'm not. I'm not a uh, judge of talent, I guess, enough to say. You know, again, they spend enough money on other things that just boggle my mind, and you wouldn't be spending any money on him. Just a thought. One last New York Giant thing regarding your franchise, Sam. What a class move by retiring Mays' number. I know people mm. feel it shouldn't have been retired. It's the same comparison as Hank Aaron uh, with, with Milwaukee Braves and then the Milwaukee Brewers going back. It's just a class. It's Willie really Mays, man. It's Willie really Mays. It's Willie really Mays. Great, like, great move. Well, how can anybody ever argue against it? Like, 
you kidding? And especially because it's not just Willie Mays, but it's Joan Payson, too. That's a major deal that they never honored up until that point. The fact that Steve Cohen understood that, like there's somebody in his ear saying this matters. And it's probably Jay Horowitz. It's probably Jay Horowitz. I was at the uh, first game Mays played as a minute. I, in 19... Uh, the home run. Yep. First step at. Uh, no, he uh, he walked the first time. Walked the first time and then hit a home run in his second at bat. You know what? I don't even, It might have even been the third time, but it was the game-winning hit back then. Right. Uh, I, I, it was a rainy day. Sam McDowell was pitching for the Giants. Walked the first three. He walked Mays, Harrelson, and Agee. And then Rusty Staub, Grand Slam, 4 nothing first inning. Beautiful. La Grand Orange. Grand La Grand Orange. <laughs> Speaking of a number that probably should be retired for the Mets. I mean, the, and, and, and now that, like, look, you, okay. Somewhere out there, and the Dodgers are probably a good example, the Giants are probably a good example, is a middle ground between what the Yankees have done. However, here's my question, and yes, we do need to end this podcast, but here's my question. When is can enough? Ar- <laughs> yeah, right. Can you argue for any of the Yankees' numbers? And, and, and again, I do believe both of your franchises are a good middle ground with retiring numbers. I think it's ridiculous. And, and the Dodgers, very classy with what they did. I think they just have started retiring people who are not in the hall, but for years, they only retired people who were in the hall of fame as did the giants. But then the giants uh, retired Bonds' number and Will Clark. And I feel that if Will Clark did not leave the giants on his own uh, free will, he signed with, with Texas. I, I think he had a good chance to be a hall of famer. He was that good. He was close to Mattingly, who I don't like many Yankees. There are three Yankees I, I really like over watching them forever, and that was Thurman Munson, Don Mattingly, and, and Rod Gidby. Those three guys I I, I actually yeah. like. Can't go wrong with them. So, good era. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, but uh, the Yankees overboard. I mean, it just – it, it, it's when over. Is, when is it not? Like, like, like let, let's be honest, though. This is this was the death knell. This year was the death knell, and, and and it was the official. You got to figure something else out, and you haven't been doing so. You've been thinking you can go do everything the way you've been doing, but baseball is caught up, and you're this far into the century, and you're not the Yankees that you were in the twentieth. So figure something. Else, both the franchise and the fan base are having an existential crisis. And I was saying this earlier in the year, and it's even more resonant now. They're following the footsteps of the Hall of Fame itself. It's the Hall of the Very Good. <laughs> Scott Rowland, I mean, Rob, Rob, I know you're a Dodger fan. You saw Matt Williams enough to know he's a better player than Scott Rowland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Matt Williams doesn't get a sniff. 
You got Sorry. a point. You do. You got a point. Scott Rowland came out of nowhere. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. He was good. That's all. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could play like him, but this is the Hall of Fame, and it's just getting watered down. And they're... and they're keeping out the steroid guys that honestly yeah. probably should be in their own little section just because yeah. it was an era. And That's you easy. allowed it. You allowed it. Yep. And very much to your benefit and your desire, honestly. So you're telling me Barry Bonds is not a Hall of Famer. You're telling me Roger Clemens is not a Hall of Famer. I'm even going to go as far as naming the person that drove me away from the Yankees. You're telling me Alex Rodriguez isn't a Hall of Famer. Miguel Tejada, Manny Ramirez. I could probably go on and on. And I will even throw this out there. That if anybody here, and I'm guessing you two have, have watched the 10th inning of Ken Burns' documentary. Oh, yeah. One of the sports writers mentioned that he talked to a Hall of Fame player and he asked him, what's that? This Hall of Famer, he says, said it's a Jose Canseco milkshake. Who do you, you two people in front of me think that a Hall of Famer is? Hmm. Now, I will give you a hint. He named a teammate. A Jose Canseco milkshake. Who played with Jose Canseco? Who's a Hall of Fame? Who's a Hall of Famer? Oh, Reggie, Hall of Fam ja Reggie Jackson. No, he didn't play. It, no, he didn't play. But that's right. Who played? Who with would say Canseco? something? Who would say? Who would say something? Once you understand my speculation, and you put the voice of this person to the phrase, it makes sense that he said this. The way he, he probably said it. He's a Hall of Famer. He's in the Hall of Fame. I'm trying to blame and, he was, and, and again, he was a teammate of Jose Canseco. In Oakland? In Oakland, I will, I will give you that hint, yes. That's my speculation. They won a World Series together. God, it's not Dave Stewart's not in the Hall of Fame. Dang, who is it? It's probably the most famous Oakland athletic. Oh, R Ricky Henderson. Okay, of course. Good call. It's a it's a Jose Canseco milkshake, right? <laughs> Doesn't that go. make sense? Doesn't totally that make does. sense that that would be Ricky Henderson? Mm -hmm. So right. I guess my point being, and, and, and as we as we drag that, my point is that. You, there's certain passes that you give because people are so good, I think. And, and, and obviously, this hasn't been talked about. This is 2010, right before your Giants won a World Series. And it is a major part of the narrative that they tell about the fact that the Giants lost in 2002. That was a major part of the way Ken Burns told that story. And it's ironic to me that both times that Ken Burns made these movies, um, he made the baseball documentary right before the steroid era, and he made that steroid documentary right before the Giants finally won. <laughs> so, like, literally a month before the Giants won. But I, I think my point being is that it, it, it hasn't been brought up, uh, again, about Ricky Henderson specifically. The steroid users 
I, I think neither own wing one way or another. That's an era. And we've allowed that era to be. And this era brought fans back to baseball. It introduced baseball to me. It, you know, I mean, I knew baseball very well, not a uh, very okay prior to the 1998 season, but the 1998 season is when I bought the textbook on baseball. I, I think it's a bigger deal than they're making it currently that this era that made me a fan and made generations of people a fan who are now blogging and talking on podcasts about it, their era is not represented except for maybe Frank Thomas, Derek Jeter, Craig Biggio, good example, Jeff Bagwell, you know, Mike Piazza, my guy. Where else? What, you know? He was my guy first. Right. Yes, he was. <laughs> but you guys didn't even retire his number. So, <laughs> you have been listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, and I'm so thankful that you guys do. Gary, pleasure meeting you. Uh, uh, been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Ever want to join one of our rooms to just check out these guys? As long as you don't make fun of them, I would never do that. No. Sam, show up to a couple of ours. I think you'd enjoy them. I do. I do need to join sometime for sure, man. It's been a, it's it's been a great night, you know. A lot of fun. Again, you said rivalry. I mean, this was a friendship. Uh, uh, sure so was. Sure was. Great. Wonderful. Exactly. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, and I'm glad to be back. I'm going to try to get some things together uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, until then, take care. Thanks for listening.